Well, good morning. Uh, like I said uh, this morning, for those of you who may not have heard, uh, Jeff and John are both out of town uh, this week, so I will be filling in for them. So you get to hear. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sure they'll love to hear that too when they listen to this. <laughs> Applause that they're absent. All right, well, um, let's pray before we get started. Well, Father, I, uh, Lord, again, I just praise you and I thank you for who you are and for what you have done. And Lord, I ask right now that you would just, uh, you would come and open up all of our minds to this, uh, to this passage that you have given us. And Lord, I pray that the words that, uh, that come from my mouth are straight from you, Father, and that, uh, that nothing that I say would be, would be against uh, what you would have me say, Lord. And I just give you praise and honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so if you remember, a few weeks ago, we had the, uh, the big Hero Harvest Youth event here at church. And there was a lot of games, and there was a lot of fun, and... Um, it was, I was planning on having a video here, a montage of, uh, you know, everything that we had done, but, uh, some things came up throughout the week that kept me from home and I wasn't able to put that together. So hopefully maybe next week we'll be able to, um, to have that together. But, um, we were able to have four separate talks paralleling a superhero to a character in the Bible. And my character was Captain America. And it's not, uh, I paralleled him to David, and it's not the Captain America that you, uh, you know, the heroic one that you see in the Avengers, and he had his own movie and everything, but it's, uh, it's more like the puny and weak Stephen Rogers that you see here. And um, it, was, it was him before he became Captain America. And the two actually, I thought, paralleled pretty nicely. They both stood up for what was right. They both had uh, little support from their peers when they wanted to pursue their passions and their callings. And they both uh, had hearts that were much more mature than their, uh, than their physical bodies at one time in their lives. And the points made from the sermon were to equip the kids to become better soldiers in God's army. And I thought that I would just uh, share the same sermon with a few changes to it using Captain America and all the videos and everything. Um, but I really felt that God wanted me to go a, a much more simple route today. And uh, I won't be paralleling the story of David to any superhero or showing many clips, but I wanted to just go through the text and share what I felt God wanted me to, uh, what, what he wanted us to take away from it today. So I will go through the whole 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. I won't be reading it word for word or anything, but um, I'll be going through that, that chapter today. If you feel like uh, following along, which I encourage you to, um, I'll read a few specific passages, but not the whole the whole story word for word. So forgive me if I jump around a bit. So today's sermon is called "Lions and Giants and Bears." Oh my! And now chapter 17 starts off with Israel in a pretty familiar state. They're drawing up their armies against a group of people who want to wipe them out. And uh, in this case, it's the Philistines. And the way it is set up that um, there was a valley in between two armies where they met to fight. So the Philistine army was on one side of the valley, on one side of a mountain, 
and the Israelites came up on another side, and they were meeting each other in the middle there. And um, so they would come and meet, these two armies would come and meet at the foot of these two mountains at the edge of the valley to face each other off. But in this instance, instead of fighting, a champion soldier from the Philistine army would come out to the front of the lines and challenge Israel to send out one soldier. And one soldier who would be willing to fight against him one-on-one. If the Israelite won, the Philistines would become their servants. But if Goliath, the name of this Philistine, won, then Israel would become their servants. But no soldier would come out to meet him. No one was uh, willing to come out and take and accept Goliath's challenge. So as you can see in verse 11, it says that when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And just FYI, this is from the New American Standard Bible. This is what I'll be uh, using today. So Goliath would come back day after day for 40 days, repeating his challenge and waiting. But still no one would come, and that's when David enters the story. So before I, I dive in, I mentioned that every point I made at the event was used to better equip you to be a soldier in God's army. And uh, my inspiration for this phrasing comes from Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 10. And that's the story of Ezekiel's vision in the Valley of the Dry Bones. And Ezekiel is witnessing the bones come back together. He's seeing all the tendons and all the muscles coming, and then skin covers them. And he's looking at them, and then when they finally, when, it's, when the transformation is complete, they stand up. And it says that they, God chose to call this multitude an army, as you can say, an exceedingly great army. And he didn't say a crowd, he didn't say a church or a congregation, and God is describing his future people, us, as an army, implying that we are soldiers. And as soldiers, we are to be on the offensive. We are to be tactical, trained, and fearless. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. So we are an army created to fight. And how do we fight? By doing the good works in Christ that he created us for. That is why he created us according to Ephesians 2.10. So I want to look at David's story as a soldier would. I want to look at it, at his strategy, his weaponry, his overall mentality, so if you'll just turn back with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'll get started. So do you know why David had to fight Goliath? These Philistines that came up to fight Israel wanted them destroyed. Now God called Israel his chosen people. God had made a promise with these people that he would bring a savior out of them. This is God's very own people who the Philistines wanted to just wipe off the face of the earth. They have seen God show up many times. They've heard the stories. They've seen it happen. And, I mean, they probably could have bet that God would deliver them out of the hand of this, uh, this Philistine. But they were all too afraid to trust him now against this giant. But David did not lose sight of the big picture. 
all he saw was that this is a man who is attacking and ridiculing God's people. Something needs to be done. David's motives were in the right place, and it is the first step that we would need to take in order to be a soldier in God's army is that we have to have our motives to be ultimately to glorify God. That's what David wanted. That's what he was always focused on. And we can see uh, what his motives were here in these, uh, in these three scriptures. In verse 26, David asked the question, For who is this Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And again, when he goes to ask the king's permission in verse 36, he says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God kind of a repetition there where he just keeps bringing up the whole motive is that this Philistine is coming up against the one true God and yet again when he goes up to Goliath in verse 46 David tells Goliath this day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel you see, David isn't taking these challenges personally. He knows that this man is ultimately attacking God, not Israel. He sees a man who is dragging the name of God through the mud, and no one is standing up to say, that's enough. And David says, I don't care if I don't look the part. I don't care if I am just a youth. I don't care if this man is nine and a half feet tall. I will stand up for my God even if I die. As I have grown older, I have found that people won't just accept that you are a Christian anymore. They will want you to give an explanation as to why you believe what you believe. And a lot of the time, they will come at you in a very hostile manner, shouting and even angry that you, uh, that you follow Christ. I, uh, <laughs> I witnessed this in college. And... Um, it is easy to let your emotions get the best of you, and you will want to explain it in a way that you beat them in an argument, just to shut them up and make them look stupid, rather than give glory to God and to try to let the world know that Jesus is Lord. So don't ever let your motives be tainted by a selfish desire that isn't focused on God. Like David, let your motives be to glorify God. But what if David is just being foolish? I mean, everyone was looking at David as if he was an idiot for accepting this challenge. In the eyes of his friends, David was volunteering for his own public execution. So what gave David the courage to do this? Was he just going off of blind faith that God would show up and help him out? It is important that we understand that this because we can't just walk into situations. We can't read this and just say that we can walk into any situation just knowing that God will have our back or trusting it anyways. You know, we need to be prepared and not just believe in, uh, believe in that faith. So let's look at the explanation that David gives to the king about why he thinks he can do this. Forgive me, I know this is kind of text heavy and that may be harder to to read but it says when the words which David spoke were heard they told them to Saul and Saul sent for him 
David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came out and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me into the hand he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. So King Saul hears that this kid wants to accept the challenge from this Philistine, and he wants to talk to him, probably talk a little bit of sense into him. He tells David, he says, look, kid, you are a child. You are young, you're weak, and you can't go against this soldier. He has been fighting and training since before you were born. And how did David answer? Did he say, yeah, but I've been training a long time for this moment. Did he say, uh, I am really good with the sling. I think I can take him. Or did he say that he knew that God was going to help him? Yeah, God told me in this dream that I was going to win this fight. So let me just go out there, take care of him, and we can move on. No, David does not say any of that. He, uh, he doesn't know what's going to happen. So how does he answer him? David answers Saul by telling some stories of how he killed a bear and a lion who were attacking his flock. Why does he do that? Why would he choose these stories to defend his decision to go fight Goliath? It's because these stories show that David had already seen God come through and save him from his enemies, that he, and he trusted God to do it again here. He had witnessed it beforehand. This was not David's first fight. I was speaking with my dad this morning about it, and I said, you know, whenever we talk about David, it's always David and Goliath. It's always, it's, you never hear David and the lion, or David and the bear. It's never the, the focal point of the story. But David's most important battles that he ever fought were the ones that he fought with the lion and the bear because those were the ones that he won in private. The battle against Goliath, this was going to be in front of thousands and thousands of people. As I said, it said that both the armies were in at the foot of this valley at the edge of the mountain and they were they was right there at the at the focal point. And this battle was going to be public on a massive scale. But it was these battles that he fought with the lion and with the bear that equipped and prepared him for the battles that he that would be counted on a more public scale. He said that God had delivered the lion and the bear into his hands and Goliath would be no different. So the battles that you fight in private are the battles that will prepare you for the more public and large scale Goliaths that may come your way. 
Chances are that you are in the midst of battling the lions and the bears in your private life right now. In fact, you probably get confronted by them every single day. It all goes back to what Jeff said a couple of weeks ago about running those little errands that lead you into sin, deeper and deeper into sin. Choosing to run those errands and opt out of fighting the temptation will ensure that you will be fighting lions and bears your whole life without confronting any of the giants that taught you in, that taunt you in the distance. And as a church body, we should be slaying the Goliaths that we see all throughout this area, throughout our workplaces, everywhere. In Acts chapter 7, verse 10, a handful of Christians were brought before the officials, and the officials said that these men have turned the world upside down. Upside down. Our church has not yet turned this whole area upside down, but that's because I feel many of us are still trying to figure out how to defeat the lions and the bears. But I promise you that the more you see God come through in those private battles, the more confident you will be in the public battles to come later. That confidence is key for anyone who wants to be used by God. Those Goliaths in public will come, but not before the lion and the bear. So Saul listens to David, and he agrees to let him go out and fight Goliath. But he wants David to take some special armor before he goes out to fight. And this is found in verses 38 and 40. So David tries on the armor, but he can't move around in it when he puts it on. The armor is keeping him from performing at his best. You see, with the armor on, he looks the part, but he's not able to really do anything. He'll be useless in the battle. And David knew that if he was to be successful, he needed to go in with what was comfortable to him, which was his sling and some smooth stones from a string. And that's, uh, that's just my third point there, is that you have to use what God has made you comfortable with. If you really want to be used by God, but don't know where to start, take a self-evaluation. Look at yourself and ask yourself, what do I love? What are my passions, my hobbies? What brings me joy? Look at the gifts that God has given you. If you love to play music, then use it to worship your Lord in whatever genre or instrument he has blessed you in being able to play. If you like history, research it and learn to be able to prove that the Bible is accurate so that you are able to validate it to those who doubt. If you are an artist, take the dreams and pictures that God gives you and put them on canvases so that, so that you may be able to speak to people about our great God, which we have done here. And we have some great testimonies about what these, uh, what these paintings have done to some people that have come in and seen them. Strangers. So it doesn't matter if you're a singer, dancer, whatever you may be, don't feel that you need to, in order to make a difference in the world for God, that you have to move to a different country and live there for three years or become a pastor or do anything like that. Just use the talents and the gifts that God has given you and that you are comfortable with to make Jesus proud that he has you in his army. And I want to make a clarification because as I was writing this, I thought that this may be... Uh, 
this may be a problem. It, it, I'm not saying that you will never have to do things that make you feel uncomfortable. That is certainly not the way God works, at least in my life. God loves calling us out of our comfort zone. All I am saying that if you don't know where to begin in your effort to be used by God, then start here. Start with what you love. Start with what he has already blessed you with and earnestly desire the other gifts that may come. So these are just uh, three keys, three, uh, three steps to becoming a useful soldier in God's army. But there are two other points that I, I think are, are very important to remember when reading this story. And the first is found when David actually goes out to meet Goliath in verse 48. It says, Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to David, that David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. Now, if you are a movie fan, like I am, or even if you are not, the title of this sermon probably still brought a specific movie to your mind. In the movie The Wizard of Oz, a group of four companions are traveling on a road to find the Wizard of Oz. And so, they, so that they can ask him to grant each of them what they want. On their journey, they come across a forest that frightens them. And while trekking through the forest, they start to wonder about what types of creatures they may encounter. And that's where the famous lions and tigers and bears, oh my, exclamation comes from. Now Dorothy and her group chant this, saying it out of fear while walking on their path towards their destination. And in the same way, we as Christians, I think, travel along our road, leading toward our ultimate goal of heaven. And sometimes when you encounter those scenarios in life where you feel God is calling you to do something, it frightens you. And when you see that where he is calling you may lead to the unknown, may not be safe or comfortable. So we look for an alternative, an altern, alternate path. One that requires little faith, but makes up for in comfort and low level of risk. David ran after Goliath. It doesn't say that he just walked out to meet Goliath or just, I mean, it could have just said David met Goliath. But he sprinted after him. And the beauty of the Bible is that it is the very words of God himself that he chose to be published and remain for all of time. So God is very intentional with every single word that he chose to describe us as <laughs> to uh, that he chose to put in this book. And we saw it with the Ezekiel verse where he chose to describe us as an exceedingly great army, not just a group of risen dead people. So him revealing that David ran out to meet Goliath speaks volumes to David's mentality and confidence when going into this situation. This was someone who didn't clasp arms with comrades and shuffle forward trembling. He had the knowledge that the one true God was for him. The experience of seeing God show up before when battling the lion and the bear. 
and the motivation to glorify God. It's a small point, but I think it carries a lot of weight when it comes to how God expects us to rise up and attack the enemy when he is trying to affect our lives. Run out and take care of the enemy wherever he is attacking you. If you are estranged from your children or are a child estranged from your parents, that is a giant in your life that you have to run out and take care of. If you and your spouse are constantly fighting and your relationship is getting worse every day, that is a giant that is taunting you every morning when you wake up. You need to run out and kill him. Confront the issue. Don't wait. And these are just two examples among a whole multitude of giants that are in our lives. Our God is a God of reconciliation. Repair the broken relationships in your life using his grace, his love, and his power. And my last takeaway from this story is just four words. And it's that God only needs one. God only needs one person to make a difference. He only needs one person who is hungry and thirsty enough for Jesus. One person who says, I don't care about the peer pressure. I don't care what my friends, my family, my classmates. forgot to take that out. This was part of a youth thing. But I don't care what anybody will think of me. I don't care if I die. I want to give up everything for Jesus. I told the kids at the conference that I had seen and experienced those types of conferences before where you would come and you would hear and you'd get all hyped up and you'd get all excited about everybody gathered together, all to glorify God and get equipped to make a difference for him. But then when the event ends, the group splits up and goes back home. And, when, and then you get back into the routine of life, forgetting everything they learned. And the same thing I think happens with many adults every Sunday. You know, some just go off into la-la land during worship and then maybe get a few Z's during the sermon. But many of you are hungry. And some of you want to be that one person, that one David that stands up against all odds, wanting to live that reckless life for Christ. That's who I was looking for at the Hero Harvest event. And that's who God is waiting for at your work for your family, for this church, for this community. And why is God waiting for just that one person? Because your courage will affect the Christians around you. Look at what happened in verse 41, 51 and 52. It says that David ran, he stood over the Philistine, he took the sword and he drew it out of the sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road. So, verses before... I mean, these were the very same people who, where no one would, would rise up. Nobody would, would stand up and, and confront this Philistine. They were all just standing there, most of them probably trembling, cowering in fear. You know, they, 
they didn't want anything to do with this. But when they see this one child run out, now they're shouting and they're hunting down the rest of the army. David's courage spread throughout the army. And this group of men who were shaking rose up and killed the rest of the army. Your courage will spread if you are willing to be the first to show it. God wants his army, yes, but he doesn't need it. He turned the world upside down through a handful of early Christians who were on fire for Christ. Imagine what he could do to this one community with just one person. So I wanted to close this morning with an open floor for, uh, for God stories. Perhaps a story where you saw God show up while you were fighting a private or public battle in your life. All right. Well, let's close in prayer, and after that, you can stick around. But after that, you are dismissed. Do what you want. All right. Well, Father, uh, Lord, I do thank you for... Uh, for being a God that is not dead, Lord, but alive and, and working in this world today. And Lord, I thank you for how you are working in, in all of our lives, Lord, whether we have spoken of it and given praise for it or not, Lord, you are working in wonderful ways and help us to just acknowledge that, Lord, and to, to see every little thing that you do for us so that nothing goes unappreciated. And Lord, I... Uh, I lift up Barbara right now, Lord, who is who is having trouble seeing uh, seeing where you are right now, Lord. She's letting the circumstances just just get in the way, and and Lord, let her let her just be able to clear it all out and just see you, and see your son, and find comfort in in who you are. You are the only one who uh, who brings true comfort into our lives, Lord. So let her not seek it out in any other counterfeit way. And Lord, I uh, I just pray for everybody here that as they go, they uh, that you bring to their minds the the lions and the bears in their lives, and Lord, the the Goliaths that you want them to go out and take care of as well, and uh, and, and equip them, Father, and lead them to to where they need to go to take care of these things. I give you praise and honor and glory in the name of Jesus, Amen.